hello and welcome to the Formless Gap podcast. I'm Bethany Waring, I'm joined by Ida Wood and we have got a lot of stuff to talk about today considering the fact there wasn't actually that much racing that's gone on this weekend. We of course had Formula Regional Middle East Championship in F4 UAE but you can tell it's almost the start of the season with lots of testing going on, lots of driver announcements and academy announcements. Um, hi Ida. Hello, it's been yeah, a very, very busy weekend and for the last six weeks we've been time shifted so we've had all the Abu Dhabi stuff at, like start at six in the morning and the New Zealand stuff at two in the morning so I'm quite glad the next races we have coming up will be on European time for once. Yeah, I, I've barely been following it and it's been hard because of the time difference. So we'll start with Formula Regional Middle East which has now finished its its season with Kimi Antonelli winning the title despite um not the best end to the season that one could ever have. Yeah, so he's been penalised in two races this weekend uh, and also I think he was penalised in a race in the previous round as well, which isn't a great way to end your season, but he still, as a rookie, won Formula Regional title um, and did it you know, by a huge margin, so... Um, we can kind of excuse him for, for those errors at the very end. Yeah, it was, I think, I think 40 points in the end. Taylor Bernard finished second and he really needed to um, make the most of this last weekend and it didn't happen considering Antonelli only scored in one race. Bernard only scored in one race too, so that wasn't the best. What happened over in Abu Dhabi? Yeah, well, basically you could blame Antonelli for that one because they did have uh, a collision uh, together, which was one of the reasons Barnard didn't uh, score. And also in another race, I think he had a, a really slow start and that dropped him back. Um, so not a great weekend for him at all. Um, but him and Antonelli have kind of almost come to blows several times previously this season. Um, and at the end of the day, Barnard not wasn't doing this series to learn the Formula Regional car because he's doing F3 next, whereas Fantinelli, this was crucial for his preparations for the European Championship. So Barnard can still be happy jumping out of F4, finishing second in his rookie Formula Regional campaign. And ultimately, the only driver he bettered in was Antonelli, who like everyone thinks is going to be future F1 driver. Yeah, I, I, I think that's not, not, bad, not bad for Bernard and... The, the, I guess it kind of softens the jump up that he's going to be having from F4 to F3 because that's not an easy jump. Yeah, and, and the interesting thing was because this week we also had the F3 prison test, um, we then actually had those drivers going straight from the Formula Regional car to the F3 car and then back to the Formula Regional car at the weekend. Um, so that was a really good learning experience for them to to that and actually compare them back to back although it's on different tracks but you know how those two cars are yeah so the the racing other than Antonelli not having uh, the best of times it was a win for Maui Boya, Pepe Marti, Pepe Marti sorry and Nikita Bedwin so a, a nice spread of wins although all three had won before earlier this season anything what 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 was the racing for those who didn't catch it? It was pretty good by Abu Dhabi standards, as in we actually had overtakes, it was entertaining, but inevitably track limits was an issue, which is 
really interesting for a track which has quite a lot of slow speed corners and then um the, the ones where you could cut like the chicane they've now turned into a widened hairpin um so that was an issue throughout the weekend we had a lot of safety cars even had damaged barriers um but the standard of racing i think towards the front was pretty good the only thing and i think with antonelli's clash as well in, in the penultimate race was he didn't need to fight as hard as he did because the title was pretty much wrapped up and yet he still got involved in, in that kind of trouble probably the the most frustrating thing this weekend and it did disrupt the racing on one occasion was giovanni Maschio seems to have two engine failures in two different races um and like beyond being awfully unlucky once the engine's gone you can't like get that car going and, and move it quite easily so that was a, a disruptive influence to, to one of the races Throughout this season, though, we've had safety car, safety car, red flag, red flag, red flag, safety car. I'd almost say we had slightly less of that this weekend. So um, it felt like we got more racing than usual. Uh, that's good, at least. And like you say, Antonelli was preparing for a uh, former regional European, right? Championship this year. Yeah. Uh, who else um, are going to be ones to watch next season, well, this season, from Middle East? Yeah, well, I'd say at least 12 or 13 drivers on that grid really like had an impressive campaign in the Middle East. Um, but I'm, I'm not sure how much that's going to translate to what they're doing. And you've got some of the title favourites in F3, who are, or some of the people who are stepping up from F4 or F Formula Regional to F3 weren't here. And some of the drivers in Formula Regional who you consider title favourites, like Joshua Dirksen, he only did two Middle East rounds and he got pole twice and a podium i think he's very unlucky not to, to get more than one podium um and you know i would have said he was one of the most impressive drivers but he came 16th in standings and he's going to be with uh, not the most competitive team once he's in europe um we aside from antonelli his teammates rafael camara and lorenzo flaxa are also going to be his teammates in europe so that whole mumbai falcons setup that will then become the prima setup because they are essentially the same team that's going to really, really help for the European season because, you know, the staff are the same, the drivers are the same. You could even prepare specifically for Europe, although the asphalt is very different on some of these tracks. It's still a useful training ground. Um, and then for, like, going up to F3, you got, like, the likes of Barnard, um, who looked very impressive. Dina Boganovic, who only did two rounds and already won the European Championship, but he won two, two of his six races in the Middle East. So um, I think a lot of people showed a lot of promise for the seasons ahead but you know a 10 round season um on 10 totally different tracks is very different to what we had in the middle east which was two rounds in dubai two rounds in kuwait uh, and one in abu dhabi yeah and the uh, kuwait especially it was it sounded like it was very much a learning experience for everyone involved there was Let's move on to F4, which also had its season finale and a champion crowned in the form of James Wharton, who wasn't quite as dominant as Antonelli was, um, won by 20 points in the end from, uh, oh gosh, Tucker Tucker Tarpanen. There you go. You've been listening to the commentaries. That's the issue. Um, Wharton took two wins this this weekend. Um, Olga Chukwu taking the last win in I think it was quite a dramatic final final race there as well. Yeah, um, we had a crash at the very start between Wharton and, and Tarpanen, um, who were obviously fighting each other for the title, and they were starting at the front. So um, 
if that wasn't awkward enough, they were also teammates, so, so that made it particularly bad. Um, we also had a last lap crash. Um, I think it was Federico Rafai. Um, oh no, I may be mistaken. Uh, what essentially happened is we had a crash and Hamza Alkibazi ended up injuring herself um, on, I think, her right arm. Um, don't know if we'll keep her at the cockpit because we don't know what she's doing next after this, but um, it was kind of typical of the the track limits issue at Abu Dhabi, I'd say, in that you you can go off track and by the time you rejoined, it might be a, like another direction change, particularly in the final sector. And that means you rejoin at an opposing angle to the driver you're alongside to say and that leads to more violent crashes and, and that's what we saw a few times this weekend including when the, the barriers were damaged um so yeah very dramatic race and ugachukwu in the end he won five races a season at the start of the campaign which was only what like five weeks ago he looked like he was going to win this championship uh, and in the end he finished like 47 points back or something like that so quite far off but i would almost say he was the most impressive driver of the campaign until uh, maybe the pressure got to him in the penultimate round yeah and wharton just had real consistency he was barely ever off of the podium so i guess that that kind of tip tipped the edge for 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 this championship yeah like the the two two of the three races he didn't finish on the podium in um he started on pole four uh, but got involved in instance, so that was kind of what cost it. But he had the pace to always be there. Um, and because, unlike Formula Regional, where they have the reverse grid race, in F4, if you set fastest lap in race one, you'd then be on pole for race two. Um, so as he was always setting fastest laps or, or near the top on that, that enabled him to, to get on the podium a few times in, in the second race of the weekend as well. So it's a great weekend we'll do the same thing as we did for formula regional european championship who's who of these guys do you think is gonna guys and girls are you going to are we going to be seeing do some great things this year uh definitely tarpanen um i absolutely hated the last five weeks of listening to commentary saying that he was new to f4 given he was the most successful f4 driver on that grid um i think he'd won seven races in the last two years uh, he won two in 2021 and five in 2022 i think um and that was out of what like eight races he's done in total in f4 prior to prior to this year so he's already proven he can win he's already you know, adapted very quickly to his car, so I'm super impressed by him. And it's no surprise that Ferrari's signed him as a junior. Ugachukwu as well. Um, you know, I think it's almost a risk for him staying in F4 for another year because he's clearly got the pace and the racecraft, um, but it's more the mental side, I think, with him that he kind of gets nervous or it's too much pressure sometimes. And that's what cost him the title here, especially considering, you know, Tapnan and uh, Wharton got into incidents, but they still finished quite far ahead of him. Uh, Valerio Renicella, very underrated driver. He finished fourth in the standings um, and he made the podium, I think, in almost half the races. So he's very good. Arvid Limblad, high-tech driver, but he'll be driving for Prima in Italian F4. Red Bull Jr. and... One of the best carters the last few years, he showed a lot of potential at the end of 2022 when he stepped up to F4, so he could be very good. Um, Keanu Alizari was the best local driver. He was seventh in the standings, and I'm not sure if he's going to be impressive elsewhere because like, he has experience of um, Yas Marina track. For example, on the trophy round, he finished on the podium twice there. And this weekend, he finished third and fourth. And in Dubai as well, he finished second. But then he wasn't really you know, contending for any top positions at any other tracks. 
And I think that shows, you know, local knowledge uh, helped him out. Um, maybe the other surprise one, uh, far further down the order, was Mohammed Ibrahim. I remember in 2020 when he did like the F Formula 3 esports and he was beating you know, all of the best drivers in the world, essentially, uh, who were involved in those competitions. And he just didn't have the budget to get back into cars because he'd done a bit of Formula 4 Southeast Asia like four years ago now. Uh, so to see him back in F4 was really good. He wasn't um, doing the full campaign, but he was still able to score. So I think if he did a full season in something, we'd see a driver who could improve a lot and, and potentially, you know, fight for podiums. Yeah, you were seeing that a lot, um, just not having the money to do full campaigns, not being able to do to do to do what you want to do, which is a real shame and especially even at Formula Four level, which is in theory the cheapest, but in reality it's not it's not all it's not gonna be the biggest draw for sponsors, etc. etc. Um going going across the across the Mediterranean to I think anyway pre-season testing which was Formula 2 Formula 3 was it was it anything more than just just checking out the timing screens what, what could we actually learn anything from testing yeah well I learned a lot because I managed to wrangle a load of documents and statistics and various things from the teams in the paddock um wasn't across the Mediterranean, it was across, I think, I guess the Gulf, because it was in Bahrain. Oh, of course. Um, yeah, the, the issue of like, reading into Bahrain, and this is more than an issue of just reading into testing, um, is the track's got a highly abrasive surface. You've got a lot of sand coming in as well from the desert that's right next door. Um, and also you have not huge contrast in temperature, but they do nighttime sessions. Um, and like in the middle of the, the heats, uh, middle of the day, very hot sessions as well. So you can simulate a variety of um, kind of circumstances and conditions. But at the end of the day, the way the tyres can heat up, thermal management of components is still very different there to at other tracks you test or race at. Um, but we've known the beers now. So I think when you look at like the trends of who's continually fast, um, ART Grand Prix looked the most impressive with Theo Porsche and Victor Martins. I think Porsche was less than a tenth off the top for fastest lap. And <clears throat> on race pace, he was incredibly consistent. Um, so I take like, if a driver does 10 or more laps in a single run, then I'll take that data and, and kind of process it through that. And if it, like a 17 lap run then you take the fastest consecutive 10 laps within that and he did two or three runs where after 10 laps they were within 0.4 seconds of each other which is ridiculous like that's not just over one lap that's over 10 so you're almost four hundredths of a second difference per lap um or getting slower by that kind of average per lap um so really impressed by that um last year reliability was a concern um, testing in Bahrain, just knowing like if we were going to have thermal management issues, if the engines were going to be all right, because the worst thing you want to do is damage an engine now um, before the season even starts. But we didn't hear of anything this week. Maybe some teams were quiet if that was the case. And unfortunately, I haven't figured out what was the cause of all the red flags yet. So some of them may have been reliability, um, for all we know. The, the other really impressive team, I'd say, and I think it's kind of based on strategy as Prima. They also looked very fast on 
race pace weren't that quick on single lap pace, but they were definitely focusing on the format. And both them and ART Grand Prix completed the most laps of anyone. So it's not really surprising that they then extracted, you could say, more performance from the car because they spent more time on track. Whereas Trident, um, for example, didn't do much running and they were towards the bottom of the times on, on short and long run pace. There's not been, I, I'm going to look like an idiot here, but I'm pretty sure there's not been that much um, changes from this season to last season in terms of the cars. And uh, is, it, is it a case of just kind of building on what the teams already know and making sure the drivers are in control of, like, have all that information? Or is there, are the teams really facing something? Can we expect anything different from for, for the teams? Um, maybe one team, which would be PM race, PHM Racing by Shrews, because that's now two teams kind of working together on, on one project. Um, Dams have now been under Charles Peake's ownership for over a year, so they might be integrating more changes that they had planned because you know it's a, a more stable format there now. Um, Road and Carlin as well, they've had investment. That's changed nothing operationally, although uh, excited to hear that Stephanie Carlin's now co-team principal with Trevor, so... Um, basically, if she's in attendance, she is team principal rather than deputy. Um, the other thing, I think, because from 2021 to 22, F2 had that weird three-race format, and then they returned to like the standard two-race one. So the way you're going into weekend thinking like um, tyre management, you know, when do we want to use tyres for, for the races? Uh, well, obviously, use tyres for the races, but because you've got to make your the compounds you have last over three races and then last year's back over two. It was a very different kind of equation for, for the engineers and, and for the planners to, to kind of sort. Um, because we're staying at the same format this year of two races, there shouldn't be any difference. You could really see the same competitive order we had last year. However, in testing, MP Motorsport was slowest on long run pace. And that really surprised me because it was actually the long run pace from Bahrain and Jeddah last year that got me really going, they're title favourites now, like there's no way anyone's going to stop them. And then, you know, ended up being the case. Whereas this time they did not look impressive at all. That may be just a sign of confidence that they don't need to do much running. They're saving engine mileage, um, you know, all that kind of stuff on all components. But um, yeah, maybe it'll be hard for them to defend a title because it's, maybe it's a different mindset going into the seasons as the ones to beat rather than the underdogs. Um, the only other concern I would have uh, with like making predictions, and it was almost the same last year, is we start off with Bahrain, which is a highly abrasive circuit and a very dusty first corner with heavy braking, so you often see a lot of clashes. You then got Jeddah, which is a car wrecker, if, even if you have a small crash because of the speeds you're at. Uh, Melbourne, the teams don't know it at all. It's also a street track. It's very bumpy, so it's going to cause potential damage to other components that you maybe wouldn't have had at any other track because of its bumpiness. And then after another one that's prone to kind of excessive crash drama and, and that kind of stuff. So it means you don't really get much useful info as a pundit or even as a team until you read Jimela, which is in May, and then you're straight back to a street circuit, Monaco, and then the rest of the season's like your regular stuff. So it's really about maximising the opportunities and everything in those first four rounds. And I don't think that's particularly to do with, you know, single lap pace or long run pace. It's, it's kind of staying out of trouble and going onto a new track and a very ungrippy track with these street circuits and, and making the most of that. So it may even come down more to driver skill than anything. Yeah. Maybe it's a case of early on those more experienced drivers being able to 
recognised when to back out of something extremely dangerous or although racing drivers are racing drivers if you don't go for the gap and everything. So I guess we'll wait until May before we get our until we get our predictions down, um, which I feel like might be cheating a little bit. Um, I, 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 are we going to get or have we gotten that I've missed a, a bunch of data pieces because I know you like doing those. I've been working on it today, um, so I've, I've been referring to kinds of the stats I've got so far. Uh, hopefully we'll have it up tomorrow i'm just chasing up a bit more with the drivers and the teams because i now i've got all the numbers but i don't have the reasons behind some of those numbers um so for, obviously it's obvious when like uh, someone cuts a, a chicane quite significantly or the equivalent because like their split time will be massively fast or, or massively slow um but it's like you don't know if people are on high fuel or low fuel when they're going on these runs, um, if they're fueled just for the amount of laps they're doing. Um, although I know what time of day it is when these laps are being set, if, depending on if it's day session, the kind of evening one or the full-on night session. Um, the, the other, like, I guess, uh, unknown is not only which tyres were they on, but how many laps had those tyres already done. Um, and if they were... For example, you might use a set of tyres for a long run and then use them on single lap pace. So your single lap pace might be worse than someone who's done it on new tyres, but you actually might find that more useful to just go as fast as you can on an old set of tyres because it might give you a better reading of the car's potential and and what the tyres are like when they're pushed to the edge at, at that age. Yeah, absolutely. I look forward to, to reading that and seeing your interpretations of those numbers. Um, on to news, we've had quite a lot of news, especially in terms of the F1 teams and what they're, what they're up to in terms of junior series. I know Sauber's announced their juniors, Teo Portier is staying on, but we've also got Marcus Amand, L- Lena Buller and Tame Sale. I, I really should learn these names before I say them. I apologise. But um, we've got... Th- the three new Sauber juniors and then we've got some Alpine is also expanding its academy which I guess it hopes is more successful than um, has been in the past so um, any surprises with these with these juniors I'll get I, I think Lena Buller to Sauber is a surprise in the pace she's shown and even in Formula 4 UAE I think she came like 30 third in the standings like she hasn't proven herself per se um at a higher level in single seaters yet but it's not a surprise in that she's had Sauber logos on her car and on her overalls for weeks and weeks before Sauber confirmed it so we all knew that was coming um the Sauber karting team thing is a bit weird because sometimes the, people drive for the team but they're not part of the Sauber junior team uh, or the Sauber academy and we've had a very long-time Sauber karting driver leave them to become a factory Paradigm driver, which is um, logical because he wasn't part of the Sauber Academy. He was only a Sauber karting team driver. But now he's actually told us, oh, I'm still under the Sauber Academy, which is confusing. Um, Tame Salah will, will drive for Sauber karting and karting. And I think it's exciting that an F1 team or F1 operating company like Sauber is looking at karting for, for the next generation of talents. Alpine, kind of logical to bring their affiliates 
into the program itself because that's what they did for years and years. They'd have proper, like their full Renault Sport Academy or the Lotus F1 junior team, as it used to be known. And they very occasionally did have, I think, like Leonardo Durandi was once an affiliate, but that was kind of because it was more of like an arrangement mid season to come into the academy. Um, whereas last year they made a very strange decision of we'll only have F1 juniors who are in F3 or above, which would almost suggest that you only want F1 juniors who are ready to go to F1 soon. But Alpine are the, the only team on the grid that haven't shown that interest in promoting juniors into their F1 team. Well, they um, showed so very, they very much showed some interest, but only after saying we're not very interested. So, um, yeah, I, I get what you mean. Yeah, it's a bit of a weird strategy. But the fact they've then gone from, what was it, like four juniors last year to eight, and now they've got this whole like karting race her thing with another six... Um, that's 14 drivers and the like human development center place they have at Enstone. They're claiming it's all exclusive and that, but as far as I'm aware, other drivers and people in the industry use it because it's very popular. Like Alice Powell, who is kind of like a coach and a, a talent scout for Alpine, does kind of promote how good that a human development center is and, and uh, you know encourages people to use it. You know, you can socialize there as well as it being used as like a gym. Um, the other have you had any other F1 junior team announcements? We're expecting Mercedes, but they haven't announced anything yet. I haven't seen it yet, although I haven't done a deep dive. Those were the two those are the two most recent ones with Alpine and her race, their race her um initiative. What what is that exactly? We're seeing a lot of let's get women into motorsport. Is this another one of those? I think so i think i didn't quite realize i'd heard of it and i didn't realize i'd heard of it so this is like a pre-existing program that the brand alpine is working on i don't think it's specific to endstone or specific to the academy um but they've kind of added an element to this program that's now exclusively about young drivers whereas um i think previously it was about like engineers just people who work for alpine either in the f1 team or in other areas um so it's all good but um, I think they've kind of combined two separate PR initiatives into one here, which doesn't quite add up. Um, and also, like, the Alpine launch itself was just an embarrassing, confusing mess, <laughs> which didn't help um, at all. Uh, I do remember, actually, there is another F1 junior team that will be announcing a, a F3-bound driver next week, but I'm not allowed to say who it is. Okay, well, we know it's not Salbo, we know it's not Alpine, so that's kind of narrows it down a bit. So, um, speaking of female racing drivers, F1 Academy, uh, lots of announcements there. We, uh, I'm just going to check that. We, we've got 10 minutes, but we'll, we'll quickly go through F1 Academy, um, which is the F1's uh, effort to try to... I'm going to be nice. It's F1's effort to try to get more women into motorsport and into a position to one day be a Formula One driver. Um, not um, exactly correspond. Not exactly corresponding with W Series because I think it's an F4 level series. But um, it's got the lots of F1 teams getting involved and um, F2, F3 teams getting involved. And I've lost my lost my link that tells me what, what who who's who's gonna be there. But um, it's it's a uh, we're starting to get names now. I think it's 
how many five people have signed up now six i think it's six drivers who got confirmed um Ben Abula is obviously a new Sauber Junior. Uh, Bianca Bustamante, who is um, Prima. Then we've also got Jess Gredgar, who previously did GB4. Abby Pulling was announced at Carlin simultaneously as, as being announced as a, a full Alpine Junior now. Um, and we've also got two others who I can't remember. Oh, uh, Nerea Marti, I think. Carrie. Um, um, oh, yeah, Carrie Schreiner, who... Has recent. done sports cars for years. Yeah, and now she's returning. Um, I don't know what to think about F1 Academy, mainly because they haven't given us a calendar yet. They haven't given us the kind of details you would need to, to um, really understand what the series is yet. We know who's doing it, and we know kind of the intent of the series, um, but it's a bit like any new championship. You actually want to know what circuits they're going to, what series they'll be supporting, that kind of thing, because then you're going to know I guess what the feel of the paddock is. Um, if they're racing, um, actually, here's a good example like the inaugural season of W Series. That paddock, because it was attached to the DTM, I think W Series almost felt like they were more important than when they're on the F1 bill. And there's a lot more secrecy in the paddock. In actual, you're not allowed to even <laughs> head into the like the garage areas. Whereas once we're with F1, there was that kind of understanding that oh, we're underneath several other series here. Um, and there are a lot more openness to bring fans and, and journalists into the paddock on race weekends. And that made a huge change for the working environment, at least for me. So I think if F1 Academy is supporting F1, you might have a very different series to watch and to work in than if it's supporting you know, small European championships. I'm surprised they've not announced it yet. And you've got drivers signing up. Because I mean, they're having to bring you in half of their half of their race fee or whatever it is. And for me, if I'm going to sponsor a driver, I kind of want to know, like, am I going to be on an F1 bill where you're going to get millions of people seeing me? Am I going to be supporting British Touring Car Championship levels? You know, that that sort of thing. So I'm, I'm kind of surprised by that. I guess, on the other hand, you're saying, oh, I'm going to be racing in an F1 back series and a lot of these drivers are attached to academies already so that kind of helps so i am surprised we've not heard anything yeah i think like some journalists elsewhere have um got some info on where they might be racing but the, the whole media strategy in fact on only a, maybe a week or two ago they're actually um hiring for a series pr and two other <laughs> quite significant roles in the championship so it doesn't sound like they've actually got their team together to actually run the series obviously bruno mckell who runs f2 and f3 or well, promotes them he's going to be in a promotional role for this series as well but you can't expect the f2 and f3 um organizing group to have this added onto their workload you've got to hire new people so uh We'll see who they hire, and then we'll see what they announce, because I think you do need a PR before you can announce anything. Yeah, for sure. Well, I guess that's uh, hopeful that we're going to get some... Go, things are going to be better in the future. So I think that rounds up what we've got to talk about today in the time we've got to talk about. But is there anything you want to shout out that's coming up this week that we should be looking out for, other than your stats, that I, I will be reading and making my um, predictions based upon? So no pressure. Yeah, we'll have stats. We'll hopefully have more uh, feature content from Callum Eilert, who was on 
podcast last week or two weeks ago and uh, for anyone who didn't listen to the podcast they can then read what he said in written form um hopefully we'll get an interview with charlie verts we were actually we'd organized it for straight after he won the uh, formula regional oceana title but then new zealand got hit by some very bad weather and he had to prioritize getting safely out of the country so we've then had to reorganize it for once he's safely back in europe um a few other features going up I'm hopefully interviewing a certain controversial Formula E driver this week. And oh, that does not narrow it down. Well. That's all the um, Formula E drivers. Yeah, let's just say I, I know how they lost one of their jobs um, and they've recently made headlines. But surprisingly, a few motorsport websites have actually picked up on that. Um, one other thing is we've got European testing starting again, which isn't very interesting in like learning stuff terms, but you do get like cart drivers um, joining teams and also people who haven't been announced yet. You can see who they might be driving for depending on who they're testing with. So um, we'll have a few of those reports in the next week or so. Well, that's a, a lot that you, you, we're going to be up to and preparing for all season previews that will be coming up in months, the next couple months, next couple weeks. Um, so we should probably get started doing that. Um, well, thank you, Ida, for joining me today, and thank you for listening. And come soon, come back soon for another Formula Scout podcast. Adios.